Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. This is going to sound counterintuitive, but the truth is the more simple you can make your business, the more you can keep it on the basics, the more success you'll have. I think when you're a, a large team in a single location, we get super bored and we just get creative and we just keep doing all these weird things or not weird things, but but what we what you realize when you start expanding is that just because it was a good idea in Wasilla, Alaska doesn't mean it's scalable to all locations. So I think you have to really figure out what scaling means. It means that you, you're testing something, um, then you're fixing it, then you're going back and repeating the test again. Um, then you start to scale it in the single location. Then you ask yourself the question, can I expand it to another location? And then you ask yourself, can I automate it? I'll give you an example. When we first started expanding, we use Google Sheets. We use a lot of different things to onboard people. We had lots of band-aids around a lot of things. Um, and what we learned is that when, when if you want to onboard a lot of people at one time, our the system we had wasn't scalable. It had worked for us up until about 100 agents, but it's not going to work for us. If we wanted to onboard 50 in a month, it's not going to work. So we really had to get to a place where we could use automation, um, yet very human, um, in order to scale. So we really had to go back and tear everything down and rebuild it such that we thought with at the end in mind, if we were going to go around the world, is this an expandable model? Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share their trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Kristen Cole is founder and CEO of the Kristen Cole Real Estate Network of Keller Williams Realty. Um, she started in Alaska, and now she has expanded to 50 different locations across the country. And she plans to have at least 500 agents by the end of the year through the Keller Williams Mega Agent Expansion Program. We talked to her about just building her unique business model, how it works, how she did it, and kind of the strategy behind where she first started and where she is now. Um, she's also built a training company and coaching company, and she offers some really great advice for team leaders that can really translate to real estate brokers as well on profitability, leads, understanding your business, and um, culture and basic information like that. So enjoy the podcast. Um, she was really very interesting and also very transparent. This is Tracy Belt, Editorial Director for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Kristen Cole, founder and CEO of the Kristen Cole Real Estate Network of Keller Williams Realty in Alaska. Kristen has expanded to 50 plus locations across the country with plans to have more than 100 locations with over 500 agents by the end of this year through the Keller Williams Mega Agent Expansion Program. 
Cole's team is ranked number 27 mega teams by volume and number 18 mega teams by sides in the 2021 Real Trends The Thousand. And those rankings are based on 2020 production. So the 2022 rankings um, will be based on our 2021 production and it'll be released this summer. So welcome, Kristen. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, I'm glad uh, we were able to chat. So I want to start with talking a little bit about how you built your team. I know you really leaned into the Keller Williams expansion model, and I think our listeners will be interested to know what some of the greatest challenges were in your early years. I think that, you know, the challenges in the early years is you become a really good producing agent and you start building a team. However, as a business owner, you really haven't hired that many people in your career. At least I hadn't because I went to college for real estate and finance and immediately then started selling. So I hadn't been in other businesses other than pumping gas and being a waitress all the way through college. Um, So the the biggest challenge is we don't know how to hire because we just don't hire that often. Mm -hmm. Um, So in building it out, out my team, I was super fortunate when I started building a team in 1998 that those folks that started with me then were, were with me for almost 15 years. So I was, I was fortunate from that perspective, um, but still coming from, you know, I was building this team in Wasilla, Alaska, uh, starting in 1998. Everyone thought I was nuts, uh, didn't understand why I was doing it. And I, I just happened to luck out and actually build it according to the MREA model, which is add assistants first, then add buyer's agents. So it was just a fluke, honestly. I, I was just very fortunate that that I, I built it that way. But the challenge really was not in my production. The last the last year that I was really listing and selling, I went on over 500 appointments and closed 355 transactions. And that that was without any additional help other than I had administrative help. Yeah. So the, the challenge really was um, then how do I balance being a producing agent running a team, hiring buyer's agents, training the buyer's agents. And, and there's just so much to be done um, that I, th- and it's, and it's highly decentralized at that point, meaning, you know, if I didn't show up to work, nothing happened. Um, so really learning then to become very decentralized uh, and start expanding and start hiring and making great leadership hires who could take some of those things off my plate really started to change the trajectory of the company. Um, and that's when I really, I, I uh, um, opened, started opening teams in Arizona at first. Okay. And so tell me, give me an update um, because I know that your plan is to get to over 500 agents in one in a hundred locations. How many locations, what States are you in right now and how many agents? You know, that's a great question. Right, right now we're, we're currently active in just over 50 states and it's not so much the number of states right now, rather than attracting, you know, individual agents, uh, we have, we're attracting big teams now. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it a lot easier to get to 500 agents. However, it may not be a hundred locations. It may be 50, It, it might be 25. Um, we have a gal right now in Dallas, Texas, that's joining us with her team and, she did 58 million on her, you know, with her team last year. So it looks a little different than when we actually first started and it was onesie twosie and now it's, it's larger teams. Um, you know, this year, this past year, we, 
we closed about 600, 660 million in volume. And we'll, I believe we'll press the billion mark in 2022. That's great. So that's exciting and it's fun. And I'm a lot better at hiring than I was 20 years ago. And, and so it, it does make it a lot of fun being around a lot of talented people for sure. So, okay. You obviously have a massive team and a very different business model than um, than most. So, how did that evolve? What did um, you know? What are some of the pivotal moments um, that you kind of had figuring out how to scale your growth? Um, I think the first thing is I had to realize, and up until you know, I had my aha moment. I really thought I would never run out of capacity. Um, I can handle a lot. Most people would say that's probably my secret sauce is I just really can handle a lot of capacity. Um, I'll give you an example. Right now, I'm the OP of five market centers, um, you know, over, over 1,200 agents here in Arizona in terms of the market centers and the business centers. Um, I, I'm part owner in three title companies. I own a mortgage company, um, and I have these expansion locations. And so th- that's a lot to oversee. And what I tell people, that my aha moment was, my money can be involved in a lot of things, but I can only be the driver of one. So I, my, what I drive is the expansion um, out, out of our hub here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and yet, and now I have CEOs who I, you know, check in with and have meetings with once a week that run all the other companies. So I just had to realize that I, the pivotal moment was that I only have so much capacity. And I got to the point where I was working and I thought I would never do this again, but I was working seven days a week, 14, 16 hours a day. And I looked up and I said, this probably isn't sustainable. So that, that was, I actually finally ran out of capacity myself. And I thought, you know, I need to find people that are just as, have just as much capacity as I do and let them start running some of these companies. So how did you build that um, business plan? Who helped you with it? How did you decide um, where to go and how to grow? That's a great question because really it's a beginning with the end in mind and working it backwards, chunking it down. And so I would say that, the, you know, obviously Gary Keller was very influential in helping me learn how to be a business person at a higher level. Um, and also John Maxwell, John Maxwell has really poured into me and mentored me for the past seven years. And he's just taught me how to be a better leader. He's also taught me how, that just because every opportunity comes across your desk and just because it makes money doesn't necessarily mean it's an opportunity you should participate in. So he taught me really what we call 10 filters to filter um, opportunities through to determine, should I take action on it or should I not? And that was really a, a, a great thing to learn because not all opportunities necessarily are, are meant for my world. Okay. And, um, you know, as I said before, you have a very different business model starting out as a team than a lot of teams do. So talk to me about like, what advice do you have, or what are some lessons that you've learned along the way that would help other, um, you know, other agents who are who are just starting out or starting teams and really are dreaming big. This is going to sound counterintuitive, but the truth is, the more simple you can make your business, the more you can keep it on the basics, the more success you'll have. I think when you're a a large team in a single location, we get super bored and we just get creative and we just keep doing all these weird things or not weird things, but. But what we what you realize when you start expanding is that 
just because it was a good idea in Wasilla, Alaska, doesn't mean it's scalable to all locations. So I think you have to really figure out what scaling means. It means that you, you're testing something, um, then you're fixing it, then you're going back and repeating the test again. Um, then you start to scale it in the single location. Then you ask yourself the question, can I expand it to another location? And then you ask yourself, can I automate it? I'll give you an example. When we first started expanding, we use Google Sheets. We use a lot of different things to onboard people. We had lots of band-aids around a lot of things. Um, and what we learned is that when, when if you want to onboard a lot of people at one time, our the system we had wasn't scalable. It had worked for us up until about 100 agents, but it's not going to work for us. If we wanted to onboard 50 in a month, it's not going to work. So we really had to get to a place where we could use automation, um, yet very human, um, in order to scale. So we really had to go back and tear everything down and rebuild it such that we thought with at the end in mind, if we were going to go around the world, is this an expandable model? And then build it that way. And now we're prepared you know, to, do, to grow really as much and as fast as, as we need to. It also, very quickly, we, we figured out that we couldn't coach everybody the same way. And I, I couldn't coach everyone. Our team couldn't coach everyone. So we really started a sister company, um, a consulting and training company that does a lot of our coaching and training for us. So what I'd say is along the way you figure out, in, because success is not a straight line. It's just not. It's kind of like stair steps. You, you know, you grow and then you're like, oh man, I got to fix that. And then you fix it and then you grow. And so I think it's getting out of the mindset that you're going to complete something or a system or a model, and then you never have to revisit it. That's just not true. So it's constant change, constant growth. Um, and I had to get really comfortable that change was going to be my friend. And I don't know that er it, that was that easy for me when I was younger. Yeah. And when you talk about your growth strategy, you've obviously had to shift that quite a few times um, from individual team members to now you said um, you're recruiting large teams and that. So talk to me about that growth strategy and sure. what you're looking for now. So for instance, um, we really stepped back uh, in the last quarter of last year and we said, let's go about this more systematically. Let's be purposeful um, because number one, I think your culture is also a filter. It will either attract people to you or repel people from you. So we, we backed up when we said, okay, where do we want to be in five years? Um, so, uh, you know, I know where we want to be in, in, in five years. And so we looked at that. We said, okay, let's, let's look at the States where we, I have the, we have the most influence. And we found that we have seven states where we have more influence than any other state. Then we said, okay, now which cities in those states have have a, um, you know, a like, for instance, Phoenix, where we have, you know, in Metro Phoenix, we have four million people. So which cities in those states have an average sales price of at least $400,000? And then we said, okay, now that we found those cities, who are there might be multiple market centers. Who are the team leaders and OPs that I already have a relationship in those cities? Now let's go teach and train in their market centers. Let's get into conversation with them. Let them know who we're looking for in terms of maybe uh, teams that are at a place where uh, they were like me. 
they were doing everything and, and they really needed somebody to come in and run their back end. They needed someone to train their new agents. They needed someone to coach and train their people so that that leader could go out and do what they do best. And also Tracy, honestly, it was also to help people um, that maybe are in their twilight of their career, but they're still doing 80% of the business on the team. How do we flip that to where now the team's doing 70% and, and, and also create a buyout and retirement path for that leader at some point when they're ready? So we really, when we looked at all that and then, and then went to those specific particular locations and, and with people I already had relationships with, shared with them what we have to offer and what that looks like. And really for us, it's, we have five value propositions um, in our, in our network. And one is professional services. So think of that as admin. Um, we have a, a big ad backend admins um, team that, that runs all of our systems and models. You've got to have leads and appointments. Um, we have training and coaching. We have a, we have the biggest net uh, expansion uh, referral network in all of Keller Williams. We closed $50 million just in referrals last year and then joint ventures. So those are all the five pillars that we can offer to an, a, a larger team that may want to go to their next level. May, maybe they want to um, start recruiting and, and building other teams as well. So, so we really looked at that and um, then started recruiting to that model via teaching and relationships in those particular market centers that we identified in the states that we have the most influence. Okay. I know that's a long-winded answer, but that was really how we strategically went about rather than just jumping off anywhere, where where would it make the most sense? No, that's um, great information and really interesting, um, you know, breaking it down that way. And when you're talking about your value propositions and you talked about succession planning, is that part of your training that you do? Um, Because I think that's so important and not in in a subject that a lot of agents or team leaders starting out don't really think about. Um, They think about it a little maybe too late when they should have been building that profitability into their team earlier. Um, So do you, you know, how do you handle that when you have someone come through? Is that part of their business planning from the very beginning? Yes. And, and we, it wasn't part of our business plan five years ago, but it is today because what I discovered is that there are a lot of real estate agents in their 50s or even 60s that have never planned for retirement. And so if I can come in and help them flip their business to where the team is doing more of it, so I can coach and train their team to take on more business and I can create a pathway for them to when when they actually do want to do less, um, that we've got a, a buyout and a, and a profit share plan for them that will give them a retirement that they hadn't planned for. So that, that thrills me. That makes me super happy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's a vital part of any brokerage strategy, honestly. Um, and a lot of brokers, I feel like I'm missing that, um, that essential, you know, element with their, their training and their, and, and so I think that's really interesting. And you talked a little bit about leads as well. And we did real trends did a study on, um, team profitability versus brokerage profitability. And teams are more profitable, not always for the reasons that people think. Um, They have better gross margins, but it's not employee costs because teams are spending about the same as as brokerages on employee costs. But it's it's really a lot to do with leads and lead generation. Teams provide a lot um, more leads and a a better system in general 
um, than brokerages do. So you've you've got that, you know, really kind of nailed down. So talk to me a little bit about your lead generation systems and and how that has played a part in your profitability. I think when you're a newer agent, obviously you're you're looking for new business. Um, once you've been in the business two or three years and you've actually built the database, you've touched the database, and that you actually have a meaningful relationship with the people in your database, it, it shifts. And 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 in any given year, sixty-eight to seventy-two percent of all of our business comes from our past clients and our referrals. And so, I th- one thing that we got really good at, at um, in Wasilla, and and we're, we teach and train to it, or equally as good at it in any of our expansion locations because their numbers are the same. Um, is mining the database. It's really, you know, here's an interesting statistic, Tracy. Um, Last year in the hottest real estate market on the planet, 87% of buyers used a realtor, 90% of sellers used a realtor. Here's what's interesting. Only 13% of the buyers used their previous realtor and only 29% of the sellers did. Why? It's because, and, and people think, oh, well, it's just because the agent didn't stay in touch. No, it may, may be that the agent didn't stay in touch, but they didn't stay in touch in a meaningful way and a new relationship got in between them and that client. Yeah. So when I say stay in touch, I mean meaningful. So we're super good at running events. Um, we're, we're really good at, at messages of the moment that are important to a buyer or seller. Um, and so really we become their trusted expert. And, and when you build a business around around your database and around referrals, um, no one can take that away from you. Tomorrow, Zillow, Facebook, all of them could change their algorithm and you, you know, you're out. I never wanted that to happen to me. So um, we really teach, train. Um, we have playbooks for everything that we do. And yes, of course, we work on some of the new, we, we do open houses. We do a lot of those things, but the meat and potatoes of our business are the fundamentals. They really are the fundamentals and teaching and training to that. Cause then it doesn't matter what the market does. Um, you're always going to have business. And I've been doing this 38 years. So I've seen a lot of shifts in the market and uh, the, the and, and honestly shifts are where typically we take market share. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the smart companies do. So <laughs> that is when they take market share. Um, yeah. And I, I agree with you. Um, you know, as a consumer, I have yet to have a real estate agent um, build any type of relationship with me at this point. Um, now we don't buy or sell homes frequently, but you know, I get, I get the flyers in the, in the mail, but that doesn't build a relationship. So, right. Right. And, yeah. and, and also I'm always asking the question, how could we, how could we be in relationship with our database such that we were able to get additional business from it without spending a lot of money? Um, and, and those are always questions I'm asking so that we're just always looking for how do we do a better job? What's happening this week we need to be paying attention to? What, what do we need to be prepared to sit down and talk to a buyer about who may be afraid to jump into the market right now? How can we show them that the best hedge against inflation is real estate? You know, and so all of those things were we, me, all is rolling around in my head all the time. And then we teach and train to it every single week to make sure people are prepared um, to have meaningful conversations with their database. Yeah, absolutely. Really. 
Um, you know, big thing right now for uh, brokerage and team profitability is boosting per agent productivity, not just acquisitions, not just organic growth, but focusing sure. internally on boosting that productivity. What are some of the things you're doing and the trends you're seeing um, as far as, as that goes, the per agent productivity and the office productivity? Great question, because obviously as an OP of five market centers, I'm looking at the brokerage and then uh, obviously expansion. And what I, I'll give you an example. There is a gentleman, um, he and I knew each other when I was at a different company and both of us were at that other company for 25 years. Um, he continued to do eight to 10 million a year. He was obviously great. That's that's awesome. But he never could break through it. And the reason, Tracy, is because the reason a lot of agents can't is because they 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 have so much on their plate. It's hard for them to narrow their focus on what matters. And we went in and we just took all that off of his plate. We said, we're going to handle this for you. Um, you just focus on this. And he's been with now with, with us for two and a half years um, on our team. And he went from eight to 10 million to 35 million in two and a half years. And people ask him, well, why do you stay on our team? Why do you pay here? He said, well, if I could have gotten to 30, 35 million on my own, I think I would have done it the last 30 years, but I didn't. The reason he didn't is because he didn't have the time to properly nurture the database, stay in touch with the database. And, and that's what agent, agents struggle with. They struggle with all of the stuff that needs to be done. And so therefore it doesn't get done consistently. So what I'd say is when you're trying to help someone with their per agent productivity, you're going to have to show them some systems that they can plug into at the market center or systems that they can plug into on your team to get the, the busyness off their plate so they can focus on the, you know, the 20% that really matters. And, and, and I can just show you again and again and again, how many people in our organization, we've able to increase their per agent productivity by putting a really great system, um, systems and models and coaching and training. And I, I don't even call it accountability, but it's really ha just having conversations with them about their business every week. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's what does it. Same way we have a we have a, 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 a PC program in all of my market centers, but it's not your typical PC program. And it's run by the guy that's the director of my productivity in KCN. So we just took what we were doing at KCN and he's now implemented it with it with my PC coaches in all of my market centers. And guess what? Their per agent productivity went up significantly. So it's kind of like when you find something that works, um, it'll work. In it, whether it's a market center or whether it's a large expansion team. Um, what doesn't work is not being consistent and not putting a system together that everybody can follow. Yeah. It's the perennial problem though, trying to get rid of the, the things on your plate that, you know, you shouldn't be spending time on no matter what your profession. I go through it all the time, um, trying to rejuggle um, priorities and, and uh, get some of those smaller things off of my plate. So so if you can find a company that does that, it's it's you know it's really important, especially in sales. I'm not in sales, so um, so yeah, definitely. One thing we we teach and train to every week is that setting time aside, like on a Sunday afternoon or a, a Saturday, for an hour to look at what happened last week, what didn't get done, what do we need to reorganize for this week, and being just super. Do you know how much more you get done and how? better you feel about your success or succeeding at any one given day when you start the week and you have a plan. Yeah. 
So, and, and so we, we teach and train to that a, a lot. And it's basically just teaching people how to be purposeful and to plug in the, to the tools and systems that we have so that we can take that stuff off of them. That is it, it honestly, it look, it makes their life more complex and we take it off of them and get them back to simple. Let's take a quick break to talk about the real trends gathering of eagles. Hi, real estate leaders. It's Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. And I wanted to take a moment to highlight uh, two upcoming events that we have running back to back. The first one is on June 26th. It's our Deal Makers Conference. And this is not just for real estate leaders who are interested in buying or selling a company. This really speaks to profitability and how to um, build a brokerage with value. We'll also talk about some trends in the merger and acquisition and brokerage valuation business. Um, Steve Murray is hosting the event and we've got some great speakers for you. Immediately following that is our annual gathering of Eagles, which will run on June 27th through the 28th. This event is for real estate leaders, association executives, um, your entire C-suite, as well as team leaders. And we've got some some great speakers and topics where we're covering everything from mortgages entry into real estate to recruiting and evolving business models, highlighting some of the different business models that are are your competitors today. We've also are looking into improving capture rates of core services, talking about managing relationships with top teams, and we've got more. In addition, Larry Kendall is our keynote speaker. And in addition to his keynote, he's doing a special ninja workshop. It's a limited um, audience, so it's first come, first serve. So we'd love to have you register for the Gathering of Eagles. Again, it's at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, June 26th through the 29th. The 26th is our Dealmakers Conference. It's a separate registration from the Gathering of Eagles. You can find out everything by going to realtrends.com and clicking on the events tab. Thanks so much and hope to see you there. And now back to the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, changes in the environment. Is there anything that you see, uh, you know, in the real estate environment that might change the way you operate now? Um, interestingly enough, when you look at the data, um, the number of people using a real estate agent has continued to go up. Um, and so I think the only, not change, but maybe doubling down on the fact that, just staying in touch with your database isn't enough. It has to be meaningful relationships such that nobody can get in between you and them because people are going to be introducing you to new relationships all the time. And, and so what I'm seeing in the data, because you think about it with the hottest real estate market I've ever experienced on the planet and more people used a realtor last year than any given year. There were fewer for sale by owners last year in any given year. And you think about that. It doesn't seem logical. It's so hot. Why would they use a real estate agent? Um, they do because when you're getting 27, 47 offers, they don't know how to evaluate that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I look at the data and 
for anyone, it, it appears to me that yes, there's a lot of aggregators wanting to get in between um, me and the lead and, and they want to massage the lead for me and do those sorts of things. But the truth is the, the number one thing you can never give up is your relationship with, with your clients. And so doubling down on making sure that your messaging, your conversations, your message to them, um, your conversations with them, your events, everything is, is, is purposeful. I'll give you an example. There's a team that, that joined us, um, not so a few years ago and they did an event, um, and they had the same number of people at their event that I had at my original hub in Wasilla, but a funny thing, they had 500 people come to their event. Um, they had zero referrals from it. Hmm. Zero. We had 500 people at our event and it had 109 referrals. So they did the event the same way that we did it, that it's the extra, it's the, it's, it's the being very aware of the conversation and how to have the conversation and, and how to talk about real estate in such a way that people naturally want, you know, there's a law of reciprocity. They want to give you a referral back. They hadn't learned that piece yet. Once we taught it to them, they had the same results with their next event. So that's what I mean by the difference between just staying in touch and staying in touch in a meaningful way that you keep the clients sticky to you. And that may mean doing wealth, you know, some type of a wealth series seminar this year, because everybody wants to know how to protect my wealth, how to grow my wealth, how to invest the first time, all of that. So it's really um, uh, making sure that you're staying in touch in a meaningful way. I can't stress that enough. That's the biggest moat you can put around your business. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you you kind of mentioned core services, title, mortgage, and that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of direct to consumer services through Rocket and and through other companies. So, what are you know? Are there any new services you're considering offering consumers, um, or working in partnership with some of the companies who are who are doing a mix of direct to consumer or working in partnership with brokerages and teams? Yeah, I mean, consumers want transparency. Consumer want ease of use. So we have actually created a couple of native apps for them to use. And in conjunction with our mortgage company, um, who also has a native app, um, because again, it provides transparency and ease of use. Consumers want ease of use. So we're always thinking about how can we make it the easiest on the consumer? How can we make it super easy to choose us? So, you know, it's, it's not only about bringing value to them, whether it's bringing value to agents in my expansion team or in my market centers, but it's also how do we help the consumer push the easy button? Um, how do we get them downloading our app so that they're always searching for properties on our app? Because if you look at the data, 51% of all buyers started online. Mm-hmm. Um, now that may be because someone told them to go to a specific place, but the truth is 90% of them still end up using a real estate agent. So how do we get them on our app or get them um, tied to us such that when they do find something they want to look at, they they call us instead of pushing the button to, to go see the listing agent. So how do we get them on our app so that when they are ready, they're pushing the button to come see us? So I'm, I'm just thinking, always think about ease of use for consumers. Um, how do we um, uh, offer additional products that can that that still make it seamless when they actually need a mortgage and they need title and they need property and casualty? How do we make all of that as seamless as possible and as transparent as possible? So that's where I, where my mind goes. 
Okay. And you're, I mean, you're in um, Arizona, which has a lot of the startup companies. Um, oh, you know, yes, you, we do. <laughs> are you considering any type of um, alternative financing, um, such as, you know, bridge loans and, you know, well, they're, they're marketing them a little bit differently than bridge loans, but similar concept. So, um, you know, other than our mortgage company, which has a lot of a lot of different products through wholesalers that mm-hmm. you can't get from your retail mortgage company on the corner. So that absolutely gives consumer choice, which they love. They love yeah. choice and transparency. But also for some of those bridge loans, like buy before you sell, we are partnering with Homeward, which is Tim Hiles' company out of Austin, Texas, um, to provide those types of... See, you know, again, I don't have to own all the companies that provide these services. I just need to partner with them. And yeah. Tim Heil and I have been good friends for a long time. And uh, the, the the niche product that he offers is something that that the market needs right now. And I think is just a fabulous choice for, for, for a variety of different people. So again, it's just consumer choice, choice, transparency. That's what we're looking at. And so, yes, we sure do. Great. So my last question is really, where do you see the biggest opportunities for real estate team leaders and agents in the next year and for your your company? I think number one is that as long as they're always working towards how to help their people get where they want to go, the company will naturally just take us to a new place. And that seems airy-fairy, but it's honestly true. I get up every day and I'm thinking about our leaders and how do I get them where they want to go? inside of my world. How, you know, how do I get them investing in real estate? How do I get them to millionaire status? How do I then help them build millionaires? And and so you do that by having a, a my whole frame of reference is always I'd rather have part of a watermelon than a whole grape. So I bring people into the organizations that I develop and I grow and I open and and allow them to earn ownership or cuz really there's only three things you know, that you have to offer. You have your your money, your time, or your influence. Well, when I was young, I had no money and no influence, right? But I had a lot of time on my hands. And today it's kind of the reverse. A lot of the young people that I work with every day who are super talented and, and want more, and I want them to have more. I have the money and the influence. They have the time. So it's partnering with them to help them, you know, buy their first investment property, um, partnering with them in a new business that I'm opening where they're the driver and I'm just the influence and the and the money piece. So um, so where I see our company going is it's going to go as as far as our people will take it. Um, I'm going to show up every day and offer the influence and the money and as much of my capacity as I have, which is a lot. Um, but the, and, and they're going to take us there. They're going to take us. You know, I don't have any limits on how big our company needs to get or can get. Um, I'm not one of those people that's like, I'm fine. So you guys need to be fine too. That's just not how I think. Um, And I'm not the type of person to retire. Um, All five of my kids are adults and grown, and I have grandkids, but I'm just as on fire today for this business as I was 38 years ago. And so my, my whole growth every day for the company is to get up and pour into my leaders because the leaders are going to take us there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are definitely an inspiration and congratulations on all of your success. It's really been fun talking to you. So I've learned a lot as well. So thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and yeah, yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.